0: So have you ever tried to help God? It sort of seems like an unusual question. Here we are getting ready to celebrate and are celebrating the passion of Christ his last week of ministry before he goes to the cross. And yet I think it's a question that as we look at Scripture tonight is very appropriate and something that is very significant for us to look at and to investigate I think we all understand that there's different seasons in our lives and each season has a different purpose and many times a purpose that we do not see and and even if we do see it at times we're really not in agreement with it or we wouldn't really subscribe to it uh but it, nonetheless the will of God is what we desire as his people and so sometimes we grin and bear it sometimes you know we just hunker down and say okay if this is the way it has to be then you know, all endure and all go through it, but I think there's a, a better way to look at the different seasons of life and the different ways in which the Lord moves. And I think sometimes we hunker down and we grit our teeth, or we sort of dig our heels in, or because we really want to be God's counselor uh, and we really feel like we have some advice that if He would just give us five minutes, it would just make our life so much easier. And we know he has the ability to do it, don't we? And so that's why we feel free in offering it to him, because he's so gracious, he's so good, he's a tremendous listener, and so we make these appeals to him. And maybe I'm just talking about myself. Maybe you've never been in those positions where you're in a season in your life and it it's the season just isn't unfolding the way that you imagined that it would. You never thought you would be in this position, in this place, experiencing these kind of circumstances. And yet you are. And you're not there by accident. And you're not there outside of God performing a purpose or shaping and molding us to be more like Christ. And yet in that moment, we feel like if he could just bend his ear towards earth, I would just gladly whisper in his ear. And then if he would take that counsel and somehow change all the surroundings in my life and all the circumstances, and yes, especially all the people, then man, life would be so much more grand. But that's not the way God works. But that's the way we want him to work. That's what. We would hope that he would do. But as committed disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to eventually understand that his will is the best will, that we know that his way is the best way. He leads, we follow. That's the best order of service for our life. He leads, we follow. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, We're going to be in the the Gospel of Matthew for all of our readings tonight. Let's begin in the 21st verse of Matthew's Gospel, the uh, 16th chapter, excuse me, the 21st verse. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. This is just, uh, let's say, moments. It it may be longer than moments, but just for uh, the message purposes, let's just say this is this is in close proximity to uh, to uh, Peter, just identifying Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and and so he got that correct because Jesus invited them into a conversation and and asked, "Who do people say that I am?" And they began to respond to the question that Jesus uh, shared, and and then and then he asked, "But who do you say that I am?" And Peter, upon Jesus' permission, because he asked a question, said, well, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he commended Peter and said, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he said, it was upon this revelation or truth that the church would be established that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is in the midst of his church. He loves his church. He's the head of the church. And uh, he cares for us as his own. And now here it is, not long after that, and Jesus begins to foretell of what's going to happen to him as they go into Jerusalem uh, during the Passover feast and that it would be uh, basically the end of his ministry, the end of his life. And And Peter now, filled with confidence, pulls Jesus aside and gives him some counsel. So it, maybe if you've never given God counsel or maybe you've never tried to help God, uh, maybe you can learn a lesson from Peter. But if you have been like me and, and you feel like, uh, you've found an audience with God and acceptance with God and favor with God and, and you're now part of His beloved, sometimes we feel like, you know, since God has welcomed me into this fellowship, surely He'll welcome the counsel that I give Him. I mean, he has accepted me and adopted me and forgiven me. And so uh, I I, can, I imagine he's just waiting for me to really share with him the way it needs to be. And and Peter's just much like us in that way. And so Peter, you know, makes this statement. He said, you know, this just can't happen. Far, far be it from you. This this is not, this is not acceptable. And uh, I'll do anything I can to prevent it or to stop it. And of course, uh, Jesus recognizing what was happening at the moment and uh took authority over uh, uh the the enemy who was trying to pull him into self pity and but but we want to ke- keep reading here because uh there's another situation that happens just on the heels of this one that just shows how gracious how good how patient how loving how merciful God is and if you want to go down with me to the 17th chapter. Now let's, let's see another scenario. It says now after six days. So this is just six days after, after Peter had, had been put in his place. Now, sometimes people don't get over things, let's say for six years or 60 years, or some people never get over anything. And so here it was, it didn't happen publicly. It was Jesus and Peter in a conversation, but he had to address the spirit in which Peter was yielding to. And he did so, but he restored and he preserved the relationship with Peter. And now we see it's just a few days later and they're all traveling. And Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, I, I don't know what the question is, but but Peter gave a response. He he was uh, once again comfortable uh, in in communicating with Jesus and then Peter answered and said Lord it is good for us to be here if you wish let us make three tabernacles one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah. Notice verse five While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased, hear him. Now, let's stop for a minute, slow down and consider where this conversation was going potentially with Peter and Jesus. So they have this moment where jesus glory is revealed and then two of the patriarchs from the old testament come and begin to converse with jesus both moses who represents the law and elijah who represents the prophets and this is so instrumental because jesus is now just days away from entering into jerusalem and everything that's written about him in the law and the prophets has to be fulfilled so They are on point and Moses and Elijah are having a conversation with Jesus and the glory of God is in manifestation. And Peter is aware that he is in rarefied air. And so he wants to, you know, have you ever been nervous and out of your nervousness, you just felt the need to say something or do something and I, I, that's, I believe, the tension that, that Peter was sensing or he was feeling. The, the awkwardness of this, uh, the overwhelming awe of this, he just felt like, I need to try to help God here. I, I feel like this is another opportunity for me to, to interject some advice and some counsel that I think would be very beneficial if, if Jesus would only comply to what I have to, have to offer. And notice, though, where this conversation was going. Let's go back in midway through verse 4. And Peter answered and said, all right, it is good for us to be here, us. If you wish or if you desire, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, I'm just supposing here the next words out of his mouth were, And one for me and one for Peter and and I mean for John and one for James. But he didn't get that far. Why? Because suddenly they were surrounded by this cloud and the voice said, basically enough. This is my son. Listen to him. I don't think our heavenly father was offended, but he was trying to help Peter not be so impulsive he was endeavoring to help him to understand that this moment that he was experiencing was so that he would not potentially turn and run but he would remember this moment the rest of his life of who christ is he already has identified him he is he is the christ the son of the living god now he sees the manifestation of christ in all of his glory and, and God is being gracious to Peter. God is being merciful. He's being kind. And even with all of this revelation that Peter had, and even with this glorious experience of being in the glory of God, we still understand that Peter, not long from this experience, ended up denying the Lord, not once or twice, but three times. Which, which tells us something. About human nature is we we soon forget. We soon forget and we need to be constantly reminded. So uh, they have this encounter and we'll just continue to read And the disciples in verse five. And it says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I will. I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell to their faces and were greatly afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Verse 8. And when they had lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And so now it's just them and their Savior again. And they begin to, you know, transition from this, this mount of transfiguration back down and, uh, to be with the other disciples. So another example of, uh, in scripture of of people who have tried to help God and, and that we're just sort of gleaning and learning from is just a few chapters later in Matthew's Gospel chapter 20. And we're going to begin in the 17th verse. Matthew's Gospel chapter 20 and verse 17. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be, ba- that I am baptized with? And, uh, they said to him, we are able. So, uh, parents, I don't know if you've ever talked to God on behalf of your kids and given God counsel on behalf of your children, but this is exactly what's happening here, is that this, this mother, uh, r- realizes that her sons have been invited into this, this terrific journey with Jesus, and they've been traveling with him, and they've been his, his helpers, and, and, uh, and now, Uh, it, it seems as if maybe you know that this this story is coming to an end jesus continues to remind them the reason that they're going to jerusalem was so that he could fulfill the purpose for which he came he's going to be betrayed he's going to be handed over to the authorities they're going to crucify him but on the third day he's going to be resurrected now they don't see or understand any of this they don't comprehend it at the time and we can't find fault with that they're this is a this is a uh, you know this is like a cow at a new gate this is a this is a brand new thought this is something that no one has ever heard of before, therefore they 're somewhat you know disconnected from what he 's communicating now on the other side of the cross where we live in the time that we 're a part of, we ask questions like well why didn 't they get it and you know they 're probably looking down from heaven saying why don 't they get it and and so there 's always this this, uh, this opportunity for us to think, if I was there, I would have got it. And the disciples looking down from heaven today that were the original disciples, them looking down saying, well, if I was there on the other side of the cross and after Pentecost, I would get it. And, and there's this, this tension between if I was there, I would have got it and those that wish they were here because they could and they would get it. And Jesus is, is gracious in that he he's aware that this mom is coming and what she's going to be asking is, is uh, you know, on behalf of her sons. And, and he, he makes a, a terrific statement. He says, what I'm about to enter into is costly. It, it hasn't been done lightly. I, I understand the sacrifice I'm about to, to become. I understand the cup I have to drink from, which was a bitter cup. Which Which tells us that serving Christ sometimes is sacrificial, and sometimes that the cup that he puts in our hands the you know uh, we would like it all to be sweet and rosy, but sometimes uh, life has some bitter moments and some challenging moments and uh, and so he's he's saying unto them, are you willing to are you willing to make this commitment and to drink this cup and and to live this life and to follow this road and and they're like, yes, we're, we're, we're more than able and we're willing to do this. Uh, I, I, once again, I think that Jesus listens to all our advice. He listens to our counsel. Uh, but then he wants us to listen to him. You know, at, at once we've got it off our chest. Once we've told him that we don't like the script, we don't like the season, we don't like the situation, we don't like what's going on. In the end, if, If we're paying attention to what's being, what's happening here, He still wants us to stay connected to Him. He still wants us to listen to Him. So sometimes what we, what we say we're doing when we're praying is we're, we're believing God. But how many of you know sometimes our prayers are more counseling, uh, sessions for God? We're, we're talking to him about the way that he should do it, when he should do it, and how he should do it. You've heard that many times throughout the years, but, but once again, maybe I'm just encouraging myself tonight and, and identifying some weaknesses in, in, in my character and some immaturity in, in my faith. Uh, am I alone in this? Uh, or is there a room full of people that can identify and bear witness with this? All right. Yes, that's why we can learn together from this. So, have you ever tried to help God? It's not so much of an unusual question anymore, is it? If people that walked with Him, experienced His glory, had things revealed to them from heaven, who He was, I mean, stood in the presence of Moses and Elijah, struggled with doubts, with seasons, with situations, why do we believe that it's a sign of, like, failure if we have some of those questions or some of those doubts? Where is it that's, that someone began to introduce things that aren't even biblical into people who do love the Bible? Where is it that someone began to introduce if you walk with God or have enough faith, you'll never have problems. And and how is it that we swallowed that pill without examining what Scripture actually had to say? Now, we know who's behind trouble. God's not behind trouble. God's not the tempter. He can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But there is a tempter here. Who did Jesus deal with when Peter was struggling with Him giving counsel to God. The spirit behind it. But who did he preserve and protect? Peter. Who did he keep walking with? Peter. Who did he restore even after Peter fell and denied him three times? Jesus stayed with Peter. He's not going to leave us. He's with us. He understands our need to counsel him. He gets it. He even sets up scenarios to where we can freely feel like we can do it and He might do it. That's how welcome He makes us feel. That's how much He loves us. And when that, when that becomes a part of our story, then so does the rest of this message. And that is, we need to keep listening to Jesus. Can you say amen? We need to stay connected to him. And he, fully aware of where he was going and what he would experience, and yet those that were closest to him had, having no insight or understanding as to what they were ex- going to experience as he entered into Jerusalem, you know, were, were, uh, were along and, and would grow uh, through, through these experiences. So I, I want to uh, uh, look at one more example. And it's Matthew 20. Did I already give you that text? Verse 17 through 21 through 28. Okay. Let's continue to read here. And Jesus answered, verse 22, and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup them up? that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they said to him, we're able verse 23. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers, but Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many." So have you noticed that all three of these examples of people who are trying to help God have one thing in common? The counsel that they're giving God is all about them. It's not about God's will. It's not about God being glorified. It's not about Jesus fulfilling the purposes of God. So could it be that when we're giving God counsel and advice that really it's about us? It's about what we want, the way in which we believe we deserve it. Could it be that parents at times we talk to Jesus about our kids because we believe they need something better or something different? But what if is what's happening in their life is going to potentially draw them closer to Jesus? We rarely talk to Jesus if all the circumstances or all the stars are aligning, or all the situations are are uh, a happy story or have a happy ending. We We have a tendency more to begin to interject and give our counselor our our advice when we believe that these things shouldn't be happening, this should be happening. This shouldn't be happening this way, it needs to be happening this way. So I want to finish with some questions. Isn't the Christian life, though, when we really look at it, through the Word of God, isn't it about dying to ourselves and denying ourselves? Isn't it about taking up our cross daily and following Him? The word daily is needs to be underlined or circled in your Bible. Isn't, isn't that what it's about daily? Some days are easier to pick up your cross than others, but it's a daily decision to walk that road with Christ. There's days that maybe we just... Don't even consider picking up the cross. But then the next day we wake up and we can pick it up. And he's there to help us. Just like he didn't dismiss Peter out of the, out of the disciples. He didn't say, you know, Peter, that's, you've gone too far. You've yielded to the wrong spirit. You've spoken out of turn. You're inserting your own will above God's will. It's, you know, I've just had a, a stomach full of this and so I'm just going to set you aside and and then one of these days when you grow up and you get it all figured out then you can come and join me again. We're never going to grow up and figure it out people without Jesus. And so to think that that's a solution. We're going to be like the other examples in Scripture. We're going to continue to come back to him because we understand He's the ones that ha- he is the one that has the words of eternal life. He is the one that can make all things new. He is the one that can bring perspective and healing and restoration and wholeness. Apart from him, none of those things happen. And then we begin to learn a valuable lesson. Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 21 I'm going to finish with this a lesson on faith and this is during his days in Jerusalem just prior to his crucifixion. Verse 18 Now in the morning as he returned to the city he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do. What was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So let's say that you're starting a ministry or a business or you've just been promoted to a place where you're supervising others. Wouldn't maybe the first lesson that you would teach everybody was on faith, trust, commitment? I I think that that would be what most leaders do today. That, you know, we've got to build our team, we've got our team together. So I'm going to teach them about faith. I'm going to teach them about loyalty, about trust, and about commitment. And those are going to be my core lessons for my team when I, when I get When I'm in this position, Jesus didn't do that till the last of his ministry. Why? Because he carried everybody until this time. But upon his departure, what he left us with is one of the most important lessons in life. Go ahead. Give all the counsel you want to God. I'm never going to encourage you not to talk with God. Tell him the way that you want it. Put in your order. Tell him why your order is valid. Give him all the reasons. Give him all the rationale. He's not going to be offended. But in the end of the conversation, keep your faith in him. That's the lesson of the passion is that Jesus was living this out. There were a lot of different roads he could have taken. He could have listened to Peter, no, I'm not going to do this. He could have called for a legion of angels. They would have come and rescued him. He could have given place to sin when he was tempted, and all of those things would have caused him to forfeit the, the spotless, pure blood that needed to be offered up for our sins. But he didn't bite on any of those hooks. He didn't take any of that bait, and he kept walking that road all the way to Golgotha. The reason he did is because he believed that if he was crucified, God would raise him up again. He was the one that said, Is there any other way? Jesus himself gave his father counsel. But notice what he said at the end of it. This is the key not my will, but your will. Go ahead, pour out your heart, spill your guts. Share your emotions. I mean, get it all off your chest, all your angst, all your anger, all your frustration. And then the end, fall on your knees and say, but I'm trusting in you. That's a lesson of faith. Three things I see about, about faith here. Faith marvels at God. The word marvel here is a great word in the Greek. I can't pronounce it. But what it says is, you astound me beyond my own senses and reasoning. You're beyond understanding and beyond my senses. You do otherworldly things. Look at that tree. That's impossible for a tree to die that fast. How did that happen? Faith. That's how quick things can change with faith. The second thing is, is that when faith begins to be a part of our life, It begins to be a part of our speech. We start speaking to mountains. Instead of about mountains, we start to speak to mountains. And the third thing is it moves us to believing prayer. We believe that we receive before we ever have it. Jesus let them talk. They yielded to the wrong spirit. They gave him silly advice. They were impulsive. They were nervous speakers, and he kept gathering them, gathering them, because that's the only way we can grow is when he gathers us. So he's not going to throw you aside. He's not offended by your questions, by your counsel. But in the end, he's still Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message.